Welcome everyone to episode 93 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. My special guest this week is Chief Derek Maxfield with the West Jordan City Fire Department there in Utah. So now Chief Maxfield uh, created and implemented a mandatory mental health program for his department. And even beyond that, he actually put it down on paper and wrote an article for Firehouse Magazine entitled Health and Wellness Making Mental Health Mandatory. So this episode, we're just going to have him discuss how he created this program, how he implemented it, um, and how how it's been helpful for his firefighters. Um, so with that being said, let's just tag him in, and, and I hope you can take a lot of what he's uh, talked about here and implement it in your own fire department. So here is Chief Derek Maxfield. All right, welcome to the show, Chief Maxfield. How are you doing? Good, thanks for having me, Jim. All right, representing the West Jordan City Fire Department all the way there in Utah. Yep. It's one of the few states I haven't been to yet. Oh, you should come. There's lots to do out here. All right. I, I've got the time, so I may be able to do that. Yeah, but come on out. We're here today to talk about your article you did just last month in Firehouse, Health and Wellness, Making Mental Health Mandatory. So... I read this article and I am completely borrowing, copying, stealing, whatever you're doing. I'm going to try to implement this on my fire department, which I think really is, was your intention to begin with. This is what we did. Everybody should be doing that. Is that right? That's, <clears throat> that's exactly right. I, uh, that was my whole motivation in sending the article, uh, to firehouse and, and in some of the correspondence I had with the editor, I felt like, yeah, this is something that's kind of unique and different. And the reception was really great among our firefighters. And so I thought it might be something worth sharing that others could either take or build upon or tweak or whatever. Perfect. Now, the whole article is based on a department mental health program. So how did this even come about for you guys? So we've, you know, as with the rest of the fire service, mental health has, has been a priority and it's starting to become more of a priority. Um, how, how it all began, we, did, we had some things in place already, some peer support things. Um, we, we have a firefighter that has got some education and counseling and stuff like that. And so she's always been a really big advocate um, for that. But um, we were just discussing it one day in a command staff meeting, you know, what more can we do? We kept hearing feedback from the firefighters that they wanted more mental health stuff. And I, I had heard that in a previous department I worked in as well. And, and at the time then had thought, what more could we possibly do besides hold your hand and walk you right to the door? Because we had brought in counselors, we had done trainings, um, had all kinds of uh, opportunities for them to reach out and get support or help if they needed. And so as we were having this discussion in our command staff, that kind of came back to me, that idea of, geez, what more can we do uh, besides just lead you right to the door? And then it was kind of like a light went off and I thought, well, let's do exactly that. Let's just lead them right to the door and make it mandatory. And you know, I've, I've known that there are some stigmas and some reluctance to get help, particularly among firefighters and first responders. And so this idea of making it mandatory would kind of eliminate some of that. Obviously, there were concerns about um, 
you know, privacy and how that would affect someone's employment status and things like that. But initially it came from that kind of some, some feedback from the firefighters about wanting more and kind of feeling like we were up against, you know, what more can we do besides do that? And so that's what kind of spurred the idea and got us going down this path. So it's kind of piggybacking on an annual medical physical. Exactly. And that, that's exactly how I envisioned it and what I wanted to do. And, and, you know, quite honestly, hopefully this idea will, will go somewhere. I, I think that as mental health becomes a more serious issue that we're paying attention to that hopefully some larger organizations, um, you know, like I chiefs and, and NFPA and some of those things can get on board as well and provide some of these resources and, and help make these a part of the career for firefighters. But yeah, that's exactly what we, we modeled it after was everybody's going to be required to do it. The difference is it wouldn't affect your employment status. So just, you know, again, piggybacking off the medical physical, but now it's, you know, a checkup from the neck up. Yep. Exactly. I know, I know you know, that's been, I didn't come up with that. Somebody else smarter than me did, but yeah. that, that is exactly what it was. So you looked at when you were starting this, you kind of were brainstorming and you're trying to figure out, do we, you know, bring in a private clinician or do we have somebody in our EAP program that would work as well? How, yeah. how did that kind of whole thing work out? Well, that was actually, <clears throat> excuse me, that was actually one of the first hurdles we kind of ran into was um, we had the EAP resources available. Um, but unfortunately, uh, as you know, the, the counselors that were with the EAP were very well-meaning. They were very well-trained. <clears throat> they weren't trained as well in dealing with first responders. And we had heard some anecdotes and stories of um, firefighters that had gone to some of these counselors. And at the end of sharing their stories and what was bothering them, the counselors were in tears saying, I don't know what to do. I can't really help you. And so there started to become this reputation among firefighters with regard to EAP that, hey, they're not gonna help you that much. Um, so we did explore the idea of getting a counselor and having them on retainer or something like that. But um, since this was kind of in the early stages, we obviously hadn't budgeted any money for something like that in that year's budget. And um, so we, we kind of explored that a little bit but we had started hearing about this one particular counselor in our EAP program that, that specialized in PTSD. And I, I had seen her in some trainings and we were starting to hear some good feedback from firefighters that she was one that seemed to get it. And some of our own firefighters had even um, gone in and, and done some counseling with her and, and we had good reviews and feedback. And so we thought if nothing else, the price was right. It, you know, it was, it was included in our benefits package with the city and this, this counselor obviously had some background and experience in that she understood firefighters. She had come out and provided training classes in the stations and stuff. And so we thought we'd reach out to her and see if it was even an option. We didn't know if she would be able to help us in that capacity necessarily where she came out and did these one-on-one -on -one interviews. And um, we reached out to her. She she caught on to the idea, caught the vision very quickly and, and thought it was great and worked with her director to make sure that, that she could do that. 
And then we went ahead and, and set up a time to, to make things happen. Perfect. Um, all together, just for curiosity's sake, from, from that first meeting where you discussed this to when it was implemented, how long did it take? Oh, that's a good question. Probably, it was probably about five or six months. We, we could have done it sooner, um, but we just, in working through all that, and then, um, like I mentioned in the article, we worked with our city attorney a little bit just to make sure we weren't doing anything we couldn't. And, um, and then coordinating with her, we probably could have done it faster, but that's, that's just about how long it took to play out. Did you, did you also have to sell this to your labor organization as well? We, we didn't, we, um, we kind of kept it to ourselves initially. We didn't put it out to all the crews and to everybody, um, and Utah's a right to work state, so it's a different relationship with the the labor union a little bit. But um, we work very closely with them and and um, try to keep them very involved. But with this one, we tried to get everything in place first, just so that we could have that that we knew we could do it. You know, I didn't want to get them involved or get firefighters worked up about something and then find out that we weren't going to be able to do it anyway. So ultimately, when you had this all kind of set up and you brought them into and kind of showed them the picture, you got their blessing and their buy-in too, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, You mentioned before that, you know, this is, this is mandatory, but yet at the same time, you could walk in the room and say, hi, thanks. I'm good. You know, I appreciate it, but I'm good. And when walk right back out. And non, non-punitive, nothing, you know, that anybody's going to hold anything against you, right? Yep. That's, that that's got to be a big key, I imagine. Yeah, and, and that is, that's, you know, I think they've got to be able to do that because not everybody does need a counselor necessarily. I mean, I think it could be argued that all of us in uh, the fire service and, and police as well probably could use it, um, but we weren't forcing them to go in and, and you know, do long-term counseling or anything like that. We were forcing them to go in and meet with the counselor with the idea that knowing firefighters, most of them would probably go in there initially and say, oh, I'm good. I don't need anything. I'm fine. But, you know, while I'm here, I do have a question. I, I haven't been sleeping as well. Do you think that could be related or whatever? And then it starts the conversation. And so our hope was that by, by doing these and making them mandatory, it would get them in the door and take away, number one, the stigma of having to go meet with the counselor because everybody's doing it. And two, you know, picking up that thousand pound phone to make the phone call and make the appointment. Like we eliminate those two barriers. And then from there, if they choose to use it, great. If not, no big deal. And, and quite honestly, the idea behind it too is with making it annual, someone may go in there this year and be totally fine and say, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Next year or, or two years from now, they may be going through a divorce or they may have had some calls that have really traumatized them or they may have a substance abuse problem. And again, we facilitated that visit with the counselor. And when you do this, this basically this medical physical mm-hmm. or mental physical, um, you're, you're just, you're having that one visit. Like the, the, the department is offering that initial visit to you. And if, and, and that's it. 
And if the firefighter wants to go beyond that, they just work that out with the clinician and they go from there. And it's, and you're kind of, your hands are clean. You're, you did your job, you're good to go. And now it's up to that firefighter. Is that accurate? That's exactly correct. In fact, um, I was out visiting with one of the stations a couple of weeks ago. And one of the firefighters that was out there actually volunteered the information that he was still seeing uh, this counselor as a result of that visit. I had no idea that he was. I had no idea that he had anything that he needed to, to work out or, or go see her for. Um, but I have heard of a couple of individuals where that has been the case. And, you know, the, the survey that the counselor helped come up with was actually a great tool because they could fill it out ahead of time and then take it in with her. And, and we heard reports, in fact, one, one of our firefighters told us that he took it in and he kind of handed it to her and she glanced at it and said, well, when we meet, and he kind of chuckled and said, yeah, we do need to meet. And so they set up some appointments and, and he was able to go see her for a few weeks. And the other nice thing is if, if she feels like they've reached a point in the counseling where she's not much help anymore, or she doesn't feel qualified, she also has referrals and, and has referred some of our firefighters out to other people, other professionals. So again, it's, it's just providing that access to get in the door. Yes, absolutely. And, and then like you said, from there, it's between the firefighter and the counselor where it goes. I mean, that is, it really is breaking down the stigma and is giving everybody an opportunity. Yep. And it's just, it's just going to be, you're normalizing it, you know, uh, to the point that, which is a good thing, um, to where it's, you don't have to be worried or scared about these, these counselors, these clinicians. Yeah. I, I did want to touch on, cause I have this in front of me, but, uh, this is the, the questionnaire is actually part of the article and I'll make sure I put the article and all the, all the notes for the, the uh, show here, but 10 questions, stuff like, do you have difficulty sleeping? You know, have you noticed an increased in irritability or quickness to anger? You know, tr trouble concentrating. Are you not feeling yourself? Uh, withdrawing. Have, are you struggling with substance abuse? Um, going through a, a divorce or a breakup. I mean, these are all things that a lot of us, like you said, we may be good this year, but next year things may have changed. Yeah. And I think that we probably tend to, um, I, I would say in my experience with firefighters, we tend to brush off a lot of those items that are on that. You know, yeah, we don't sleep very well. Well, it could be related to our shift work. Yeah, that's possible, but it could also be related to something else or we're quick to anger or we're irritable or things like that. Um, I don't know that that reaches the level of concern in most firefighters to say, I need help where this at least brings that to the forefront. And, and some of the firefighters may say, wow, I, I, I am answering yes to some of these questions. Maybe there is something there. Do you have, Chief, do you have at, at your department? I mean, is it uh, where you have recruits come in and you teach them or are they already trained elsewhere and then they come in? We, we actually have partnered with a couple of other neighboring departments and we put on like a recruit camp, a recruit academy okay. and train them. Uh, often they come with certifications and, and training, but we still put them through that. Do you also have a section in there 
where you talk about behavioral health and firefighters? We do a little bit. That, that, as I mentioned in that article, is one of the things that we're going to continue to further develop and implement with our new firefighters is mandating, just like we do a, a pre-hire physical mandating, yes. not necessarily a pre-hire visit, but a early in your career hire, maybe as a recruit or whatever, um, or not hire, excuse me, visit with the counselor, just like I mentioned, so that number one, we know these guys are going to be exposed to trauma and difficult situations in their career. We all know it. So why not get them a little bit of a head start with a counselor that can maybe provide some things for them to watch for throughout their career when they start noticing the things like in that survey or other things so that they can clue into the fact that maybe there's a problem as well as to meet the counselor and establish a brief relationship with them so that when it does come time to go meet with them, they're not just starting from scratch with a complete stranger. I love it. That's great. Um, you've, you've only done this really once so far, right? Yep. Okay. And you've had some feedback, I imagine. It sounds like you've had some feedback, good feedback since then. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, we, um, you know, we were a little nervous about it, how it would be received, just again, based on stigma and mental health and some of the issues in the fire service. But when we rolled it out, um, I, I'm not aware of any resistance that we got. There may have been some in the lower ranks that didn't didn't get to me, but um, the, the feedback we got was that it was great, that people were happy that we were doing something to address mental health issues. Um, they, they felt like the department cared about them and cared about their mental health. And then, you know, like I, I mentioned in the article, I think, I don't know if it was in there or not, but a lot of the firefighters even said, hey, this was great. We'd like to do this more often than just once a year. Um, I don't know that I would want to get too carried away with that. I think I'd probably like to keep it at an annual thing. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And, and we reached out to the counselor as well and asked her from her end how she felt it was going. And she said, great. She said she had quite a few firefighters that did come in and say, you know, I, I probably do need some help. I, maybe I should have addressed this sooner or whatever. But now that now that I'm here maybe we should set up an appointment. And so she, she was able to set up some follow-up visits. So as, as a chief, you're not getting anything in particular, any information, but other than just, um, yeah, I've had, you know, I met with these individuals or firefighters and there were some that, that we ended up meeting afterwards, which is probably all you, all you really need to know. You're like, yep. great. Yep. It's working. Yes. That's kind of how we looked at it. Do you think when you come around and do this again uh, for the next year that there's going to be any other changes, anything else that you, like how, is it going to evolve anything? Or do you think like you, you put enough time into it where it, it really worked well from the start? It, I feel like it did really work well. Um, we may address some things. One of the, one of the challenges uh, that I just found out about as we were doing the budget, our city is going to change EAP providers this year. So that throws a huge wrench in what we've established. Prior to doing though, that though, they reached out to us. They knew we had this relationship with this counselor. Um, we did some research. The new company that's going to provide the EAP service does specialize in trauma and PTSD and first responder stuff. There are other departments in the area that use them. 
and um, they assured us that they could provide the same once a year annual service where somebody came out and, and did that. So um, we'll see. It, I, I'm a little concerned about that just because of the counselor that we had. Um, but based on all the research we've done, I, I think this will be okay as well. Good, good. I hope that all works out. I know. I know uh, from my perspective, when I'm going to be pitching this, um, you know, this, this is coming from really, well, it is going to be a, a labor, joint labor management kind of thing, because uh, we both believe in this, but I don't think we believe in our EAP program. Uh, yep. It just doesn't have an individual like you have. So I have, I, you know, there's clinicians that we have, there's other clinicians in the area that, that know first responders. And so this will, you know, be a bid process for all of them. Um, but I know that just to put, you know, for, for all of the listeners to put things in perspective when they're looking at how much something like this would cost, just kind of factor in an hour of the clinician's time is going to be somewhere around 60, 65 bucks, give or take. So you could probably do, you don't need an hour for everybody. I mean, just split it up into 15 minutes or even a half an hour uh, per person. And just because you're, all you're really doing is seeing if you want to go and meet outside of this. Yeah. So just, just keep that in mind if you're thinking about doing something similar to this. And we, you know, I think it's important to, to mention, um, you know, I, we've discussed this with our police department as well and our police chief and, and um, it, it definitely is not the end all of mental health for many of our responders. They, they, oftentimes they do need further counseling or they need to be with someone that specializes more in the issues that we deal with that EAP can't provide. Um, and so our, our police department, I think, is more interested in finding more long-term um, therapy or counseling opportunities for their officers, where this was more for us to provide the initial visit and get them in the door. I recognize that the EAP that we have, even though we've got this counselor that's exceptional and she's really good and we're fortunate to have that, that a lot of times our guys are gonna need more and they may not be able to get it through an EAP provider. And, and I fully understand that. My, my hope with this program was that it was the gateway and it was the path to get them into that help where once they met with the EAP person, then hopefully the EAP provider could say, you know what, I, this, this might be beyond my scope. However, here are some doctors or here are some people that I would refer you to. And then they can go get more of the definitive treatment that they need. And, and we worked with that EAP counselor and expressed that, that, that there were some concerns um, about some of the EAP counselors and, and stuff like that. And she had arranged it so that when any of our people called, if we told them we were a first responder, they would automatically go to her or one other lady that, or one other counselor that kind of specialized in that. And so they knew, they knew the situation, they knew what our expectation was, and it kind of weeded out some of those that, you know, maybe you're great at marriage counseling, but that's not what our people need. Sometimes, you know, that's the thing when, when, well, a lot of times when we reach out as first responders, it, and you said that perfectly, what you said that a thousand pound phone, a thousand pound phone. Yeah. I've never and heard that, that said be before. It's an anonymous thing, but that, but that is, I've never heard that before. That is exactly right. It is hard for us to make that call. And when we make that call, 
we finally have the courage to do that. And you hope that whoever answers that phone on the other end is, is actually yeah. helpful. Yeah, for because sure. Because it, it may, it, it, they may just have that one chance. Yeah, absolutely. So no, that's, that's significant. The fact that you have that set up that way. Yeah. Um, you know, you had, you had your 10 questions for your guys and gals. I've got 25. So not that we're going to go through all 25, but are, let's go. Are they mandatory? <laughs> no, you can pass. You can pass. Right. Non-punitive. Mm-hmm. Non-punitive. So I got 25 questions. You know, just pick a number and I'll read you the question and we'll get through some of these and I'll get you out right. of here. 13. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie. My favorite movie, it's not actually like a Hollywood movie so much, but Lonesome Dove. I, I love uh, I think it was like an ABC miniseries or CBS or something yep. with Robert Duvall and Tommy Lee Jones. And uh, I, I've always loved that. All right. I know of it. And you the one reason I know it. of it is because I know Bret Hart was part of it for a little bit. It's about six hours long. So oh, it... there you go. <laughs> All right. What's another number? Uh, let's do six. How do you manage stress? I'd like to say pretty well, but um, I think I, I manage stress. I like to run. I, I like physical activity and exercise. Um, I really enjoy fly fishing. There's something soothing to me about standing out in a river and and uh, trying to, to catch some fish. We've got some great fishing around here. Um, and then I think just time with my family. I, I think that's something that again related to mental health that has been a great blessing for me and in a lot of firefighters that i've seen that have struggled with something having that family support and those great relationships at home makes a big difference absolutely yeah all right how about one more one more good yep uh 23 all right so we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about pizza pizza your favorite favorite pizza style chicago new york i don't know what a utah pizza style is you gotta choose one favorite pizza uh i'd say chicago style and i like uh i like lots of meat lots of meat okay good i don't think you know pizza's pizza i'll eat it that's kind of how i look at it too but but yeah chicago is is nice i like that So, you know, I'll get you out of here now. I, I do want to thank you. Thank you for implementing this with your guys and gals. I'm sure it'll pay off in the future and you may never even know it. Yeah. And that's okay. And yeah. that's, and that's okay. But for you to even sit down and realize this is bigger than just my department um, and, and put this to paper and send this out to everybody and then even join me, uh, you know, on this show. I mean, I, I it's huge. Thank you so much. Yeah. You are, you know, this is something that is going to be helpful, you know, throughout the nation and even beyond. Yep. Well, thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. And, and, uh, look forward to helping you in any way I can, if you try to implement something like this. Perfect. Yes. Well, we'll see how it goes. So. All right. All right. Well, thank you again. And, uh, he's chief Maxfield and I'm Jim Bernica and we are out of time. Bye.